Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And
Open your Bible, please, again, if you would, to Luke chapter 2, as we think again about a simple Christmas. And don't look around, but just think in your own mind, do you have anyone on your Christmas list who's hard to buy a gift for? And don't look around, but you just can't figure them out. You can't figure out what to get them, what they like, how to go about it. Well, if that's you, have no fear. According to the London-based News Service Telegraph, there is a formula that you can use to find just the perfect gift. And I'm going to give you the formula. Are you ready? So if you have somebody hard to buy it for, let me give you the formula. You ready? Here it is. L times 2 plus O plus E2 minus PD plus EM equals PP. Now there's the formula. You all look blessed. You looked helped. Yeah? Well, I better give you the key to what it's talking about to find the perfect gift. So let's, let's put that a little bit more clear if we can. Listening times two, so really listening, plus observation, observing them, plus effort two, that is putting a lot of effort into it, minus personal desire. So in other words, you don't figure out, what would I like? <laughs> minus personal desire, plus empathy equals the perfect present. PP, the perfect gift. Put a little simpler. Really listen to them. Observe what they like and pick up in stores and what they talk about. 
Put forth the effort to get a very nice gift. Be careful not to let your own personal desires drive the decision. And through empathy, try to think about how they're going to feel when they open your gift that you give to them. Now, I think we could boil that down even more. And we could just say that's pretty much common sense. I think the real effort sometimes is not we can't find the right gift. It's just that we don't take the effort and the time uh, to find the right and perfect gift, if you will. We're pretty busy. And so it's hard to put forth the effort to find the perfect present. But we're trying to change that this year. We've been talking about for several weeks now having a simple Christmas. And in case you're wondering, today's passage serves as kind of a gift-giving guide as to the gifts we should be giving the one that we're celebrating, the Lord Jesus and His birthday. We don't need a formula when it comes to what should we give to Jesus. I'm going to show you today that it's right here laid out in the Word of God. And so if you have your copy of the Word of God, if you'll find Luke 2 if you haven't already, we're going to read verses 1 through 7, and then we'll drop down to verse 21. Luke chapter 2, as we think about a simple Christmas, as we look at this gift-giving guide of what to give the Lord Jesus. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, familiar words, comforting words, encouraging words, glorious words, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, or your translation may have taxed. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now drop down to verse 21, please. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared before the face of all peoples a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them 
and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the faults of many hearts may be revealed. Verse 36. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. Now, I know, beloved, there's a lot going on in those verses that we just read. And there's no way in our short amount of time together this morning that we can go in depth on each one of those things we read. So I just want to point out some highlights. And I want to show you what each person gave the Lord Jesus in this passage. And by doing that, I hope it will kind of serve for us as a gift-giving guide as to what we should give the Lord Jesus this Christmas as we're celebrating His birth. Now you notice in verse 21 that baby Jesus is only eight days old. And according to the law, Mary and Joseph have brought him uh, and he's been circumcised and they name him the name they were told to name him. That is the name Jesus. That's verse 21. But you must know that in the Bible, sometimes when you go from verse to verse, a, a lapse of time can take place. And when you go from verse 21 to verse 22, you actually have 33 days that take place in between those two verses. So verse 21, you have eight days old at his circumcision and naming. And then 33 days transpire before we get to what happens in verse 22. Because according to Leviticus chapter 12, 33 days would have passed for Mary's purification after having a male child. And they would bring the Lord Jesus then, present him to the Lord and offer a sacrifice as it is written in the law. And we could go into greater detail about all that, but allow me just to point out what Mary and Joseph are giving the Lord here in doing this. They give, beloved, this wonderful gift. They give the gift of obedience. Obedience. You see, Jesus perfectly kept the law. And that began with His mother Mary and His adopted father Joseph because they kept the law in regards to the Lord Jesus. I love what verse 39 says. Did you notice as you read it? So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. In other words, there was nothing that they did not do that they were supposed to do when it came to the Lord Jesus. They did everything that the law commanded. They did everything as they were supposed to. And what a lesson for us. This Christmas, beloved, we should give the Lord Jesus our obedience. Our obedience. Obedience to the Word. Obedience to His leading in our lives. To obey Him. You say, well, preacher, how important, just how important is obedience? Well, I couldn't help but think about what the Bible says. In fact, jot this reference down. 1 Samuel 15, verse 22. It's a kind of a startling verse. 1 Samuel 15, 22. Here's what it says. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices 
as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Now listen, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. That's an amazing thing to realize it says to obey is better. That's how serious the Lord takes obedience. Even from a natural point, even from a human standpoint, we understand the importance of obedience. Uh, you have a child, you have a grandchild, and they're there, and you live by a road. And at some point in the conversation, in their young life, you're going to say what? Don't do what? Don't go play in the road. Why? Why do you tell them that? Because you want to spoil their fun? Because you want to ruin their fun? Why? You don't want them to get run over. Now, if it's a neighbor's kid, you may not tell them that. But anyway, no. Um, that's a joke. See if you're awake. We tell them that. Why? Because we love them. Don't go in the road. Don't play in the road. And we do that out of a heart of love. And beloved, when the Lord gives us commands, when He gives us instructions to obey, I want you to understand He does it for our own good. I've heard it put this way. When the Lord gives us commands, He's basically saying this. He's really saying, help yourself to happiness. Help yourself to happiness. When you obey my commands, my instructions, what I tell you to do, I'm doing that for your own good. I'm doing that because I love you. Not because I want to just spoil your fun. Not because I want to harm you, but because I want to help you. I want to show my love to you. And Joseph and Mary, when you think about the Christmas story, and by the way, they were people like us. They would have been a young set of teenagers probably at this time. And there they are. They're wonderful examples in so many ways. We've already seen them. They fully surrender to the Lord's plan for their life. And then they show us a wonderful path, the path of obedience. And can I just tell you, beloved, you think about it in your own life, I'm sure there have been many times you've regretted when you've been disobedient. I wish I had obeyed. But you'd probably be hard-pressed to find a time when you've regretted that you obeyed. To obey is the right way, the right thing to do, and as the Lord commands us. And so I wanted you to add this to your Christmas list for Jesus. Go ahead and write down, give Him this year obedience. Obedience. Well, in our story here, we come to a man named Simeon next. And Simeon also gives a wonderful gift to the Lord Jesus. It's a great example for us. Now, all that we know of Simeon, we find here in this passage that we just read together. If we had to sum up Simeon's life quickly, we could just say that he's waiting for the Messiah. He's waiting for the Messiah. In fact, he'd been promised by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And so Simeon is here. He's waiting. He's watching. He was just. He was devout. He was the man well acquainted with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you noticed how much he talked about the Holy Spirit in Simeon, but in verse 25, it says the Holy Spirit was upon him. In verse 26, it says the Holy Spirit had given him a revelation and a promise concerning the Messiah. In verse 27, it says the Holy Spirit is the one who guided him to the temple that day. And that's an example for us as well. We're to be Spirit-filled, Spirit-led believers. Now, all of us that are believers, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. The Bible says if you don't, you're not a child of God. The moment you trust and place your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in your life. 
But then we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. You say, what does that mean? It simply means we give control over to the Spirit. We allow Him to control us and guide us and we're obedient to His leading in our lives. Well, here this Old Testament, uh, this uh, saint living in these many years under the law, uh, the Holy Spirit was upon him and had given him revelation and was guiding him. And we assume by his words in verse 29 that he was an old man. Now, can you see him in your mind's eye going about his day-to-day activities? And while he's doing it, he's looking and he's waiting and he's watching. He was going to see the Lord's Christ. He'd been promised, before you die, you're going to see the Lord come. You're going to see the Messiah and no doubt, Simeon lived with expectancy. And he lived with wonder. And he lived with excitement. And by the way, I can't help but think about the fact that we have a similar promise as believers. The Lord Jesus is coming back for us. The same Jesus that ascended is coming back in so like manner. And sad to say, we don't always live with that excitement and that wonder and that expectancy. But we should. But when it came to Simeon and the Lord Jesus' first advent, the day had come. If you look back at um, verses 27 and 28, it says, So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. Can't, can't you see this, beloved? He comes in that day and he looks. And there is Mary, and there is Joseph, and there is a baby, and he realizes it is the Messiah. Can, can you imagine what went on in his heart at that moment? And he goes over, he rushes over, and he takes the baby in his arms. It's him. It's the Messiah. It's the Lord Christ. It's the promised one. It's the Savior. And he's looking into the face of God in the flesh. He was waiting for the consolation, the comfort of Israel. And now he holds them in his arms. He had trusted the Lord all these days and day in and day out and week in and week out and year by year waiting and looking and longing and hoping and knowing He's coming. And finally the day had come. And he sees And I want you to notice what he gives to the Lord. He gives the Lord what we ought to give Him. He gives them worship. Did you notice it says in verse 28, it says, He blessed God. He praised God. He worships. He offers praise and adoration to Jehovah. And one of the gifts that we must have on our list to give to the Lord Jesus, I hope you've got a list, by the way, because it's His birth we're celebrating. Sure, you've got a gift for Jesus. We've got obedience down. Now we add to that list, worship Worship. Can I encourage you the next today or tomorrow, maybe sometime on Christmas Day, take a few minutes and just get alone and get quiet and just think about this story. We sang about it a few moments ago. Behold the wondrous mystery and about all the different phases. And just think about how God stepped into flesh so that He might die for us. When you really begin to ponder that and, and think about that and rehearse that in your mind, your heart is going to well up and worship. To know that He did that for you. And He did that for me. We don't have time to look at all of Simeon's words. His words are well worth studying. But I want to point out one thing he did say. 
Look back at verse 34. As he speaks there, he says in verse 34, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Some are going to fall and some are going to rise. And of course, the question is, what does he mean by that saying? Well, what he meant simply was this, beloved. Some are going to fall because they were going to refuse Jesus. And others would receive him and rise. In other words, put another way, some were going to receive the Lord Jesus as Savior and they were going to live eternally. They were going to rise and others were going to reject Him and they were going to fall and be condemned for all eternity. You see, here's an important lesson we all must understand. When it comes to the Lord Jesus, you cannot remain neutral. You cannot just say, well, I'm not going to make a decision about Jesus, because in doing that, you've made a decision about Jesus. You see, if you do not accept Him, then you have rejected Him. It's just that plain and simple. You can't just stay in the middle ground. Some are going to rise. Notice He didn't say some are going to rise, some are going to fall, and some are going to stay the same. It was either rising or falling, accepting or rejecting. There's no middle ground. So the question for all of us today is, what have you chosen? Are you rising or falling? Have you accepted this wonderful, glorious gift called salvation? Or are you fallen? Have you rejected the Lord Jesus? The Bible is very clear. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. We all have condemnation. We all have a home in hell if we don't receive the Lord Jesus. You say, what do I have to do to go to hell? Nothing. Nothing. You say, what do I have to do to go to heaven? You have to receive the Lord Jesus. See, He came to die. He came to give His life a ransom for many. The Bible says that though we've all sinned, and all fallen short of the glory of God, the wages of sin is death. It goes on to say, but the gift of God, we think about gifts, the gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if we'll turn from our sins and say, you know, I don't want my sin anymore. I want to save you. I want forgiveness of my sin. I don't want to live that life anymore. The Bible says if you'll repent of your sin, turn from your sin, and place your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And can I just tell you, there's no greater gift you could receive this Christmas and the gift of eternal life, and it's yours for the taking. But you must receive Him. We can't force it upon you. We can't make you take it. He won't make you take it. He'll call you to Himself, but you must respond in repentance and faith. And so when it comes to Simeon, we find that Simeon offered a wonderful gift to the Lord, the same gift we should offer, the gift of worship. Well, there's one more person here we want to talk about. We're making our list of gifts to give to Jesus. We've got obedience. We've got worship. And now we see that Anna is going to add to our list. Her story begins in verse 36. There was one Anna, a prophetess. Now, we learn a lot about Anna just from this passage. Uh, her name, beloved, just reminds you, it means grace or gracious. And this gracious lady was a daughter, she was a wife, and she was a widow. 
It says that she was the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She had a mom and dad, but they were probably no longer living at this time. Anna was very old herself. We know that she was once upon a time a wife. It says that she was a virgin when she got married. She probably got married in her teens, late teens or early teens, like a lot of girls at that time. And she lived seven years with her husband. And they, like other couples, no doubt had plans and dreams and hopes and aspirations for their future together. Uh, They, no doubt, dreamed of growing old together and gray together. They certainly dreamed of children. But no children are mentioned here that she ever had any. That itself would have been a blow. But then we add to her story what we read next, and that is she is a widow. She lost her husband at a very young age. Now, I've got to be honest with you, there's some disagreement as how to interpret the time frame here. Um, it talks about her being a widow of 84 years. Some say, well, that means you take her seven years of marriage plus her life before and... Um, Then you add 84 years and they say, well, she had to have been over 100 years old if you do that math equation. And it is possibly true. It does say that she was of great age. And some say, no, she was just a widow who was 84 years old. We're not sure. Either way, she was an older lady. She had been a widow for a long time. And think about the sorrow this lady would have endured in life. Um, No husband. We assume no children. Probably to her it seems she had very little future at all, but she gave her life to something bigger. She gave her life to someone bigger. Uh, She gave her life to the Lord. And she goes from sorrow to service. She became a faithful servant of God. And it says here in the passage we read that she did not depart from the temple. Her life was lived at the temple. And there's a little bit of disagreement about that too. Some say, well, that means... Well, figuratively, you know, she was always at church. And some say, no, that means she literally was always at church. She lived at church. She never departed. But what was she doing there? Well, she was serving God, it says, with fastings and prayers day and night. Anna was a prayer warrior. And she not only prayed, but she was serious about prayer. It says she fasted and she prayed. She was so passionate about prayer and seeking the Lord that she set aside normal meal times to devote to prayer. And she was faithful in this. She says she did it night and day. Now remember, this lady's of great age. She's either 84 years old or she's 100 plus years old. But her work was not done. By the way, retirement years for her did not mean leisure and fluff. It meant more time to serve the Lord. It also reminds me as I study this passage that Christmas is not just for kids, it's for old people too. In fact, it's for all ages. But here's a woman who's not well known outside the temple, outside of that region at that time. A woman who probably had very little in today's, in, in that world's way of measuring, yet she had everything. She had the Lord and she had a vital ministry. She lost her husband, her dreams, her plans, yet she gained so much more. I couldn't help but think of what I once read by Andrew Murray. He said, every loss is meant to be filled with his presence. Every sorrow is meant to make his fellowship more to us. You see, God was not against Anna, beloved. He was for her. And she could not see all that God was doing 
and going to do in her life when she stood by the grave of her husband. But she made a decision to trust God and move on with her life and serve the Lord. And God honored her in a wonderful way. She would see the Messiah with her own aged eyes. Look at verse 38. She cries out. It says in verse 38, And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him to all those who looked for the redemption of Jerusalem. And this reminds us of what she gave to the Lord and what we should give. And you've already figured it out. She gave thanksgiving. It says very clearly she gave thanks. You see, Thanksgiving is not just for November. It's for December too. And it's also for the other ten months of the year. Beloved, it's a time of gift-giving, Christmas. And our very best gifts should go to the one that we're celebrating, the Lord Jesus. As I was preparing this, I couldn't help but think of the chorus that goes like this. What can I give Him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? Give him my heart. See, that's where it starts. In giving him your heart. Giving Him your life. Giving Him your all. Say, what does the Lord Jesus want? He wants you. He wants you. He wants your heart. And as He has our heart, as we give Him ourselves, we continue to give to Him. Things like we talked about today. We give Him our obedience. We give Him our worship and praise and adoration. And we give Him thanksgiving. These, beloved, are the gifts that should be on our list to give to Jesus this year. Let's pray. Father, it is with a grateful heart that we bow in Your holy presence. Thank You for the example of Mary and Joseph and Simeon and Anna. Father, I pray if anybody here has never given their life to You, I pray this will be the morning, this will be the time. Lord, work in their heart and bring them to saving faith in Christ alone. And then, Lord, for those of us who know You and love You, may we truly be giving You these gifts. Our obedience our worship, and our thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for us. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for living, rising again for us. Because you live, we will live.
forever as well. We praise you now and ask your blessing on this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. The altar is open today. Familiar song, Silent Night, Holy Night. I'll be down at the front. If you need to be saved today, we'd invite you to come. We want to come and just pray and maybe offer the Lord some worship and thanksgiving. Just come and bow and just pray here at the altar. You come. 206, Silent Night, Holy Night. Let's stand together and sing. Amen.